0: Almighty God, who pours out on all who desire it, the spirit of grace, deliver us when we draw near to you from coldness of heart and wanderings of mind, that with steadfast thoughts and kindled affections we may worship you in spirit and in truth, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm not regularly a watcher of Hollywood type shows, like the award shows, but I did catch part of the Golden Globes this year. And Jim Carrey, when he walked to the stage, to the podium to do a presentation, um, he's a comedian and actor, and he he stood up and he said with a smile, "I am two-time Golden Globe winning Jim Carrey, and when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep." No, sir, I'm two-time Golden Globe winning Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning Jim Carrey because that would be enough. It would finally be true and I could stop this terrible search For what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. And there was laughter in the the theater there as these Hollywood actors were laughing knowingly at this witty remark from one of their own. Uh, Because deep down they, and I suspect you and I too know that to be true, that We look for these ways to justify ourselves, to justify our existence. Um, We're seeking validation, whether it's in awards or words. We're trying to make sense of our world and our place in it. And often we make life about the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. And we get trapped into the comparison competition with those around us. On the dignity side of this, because we're made in God's image, I think there's a natural longing and yearning for a connection with transcendence. The Russian novelist Leo Tolstoy, towards the end of his life, wrote, What will come of my whole life? Is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me will not destroy? It's a powerful question. A question that hangs over every one of us. Recently, a mixed martial arts fighter, she's a superstar, Ronda Rousey. She lost for the first time. She's 29 years old, and she lost her first match in the octagon, and she was devastated. She actually became suicidal, and she said, What am I anymore if I'm not this? I'm nothing. What do I do anymore? No one gives a choice word about me anymore. What are we doing to ourselves when we're seeking to justify our existence based on how others view us? Where are we, who are we proving our worth to? Where do we derive our sense of self-worth? Well, Paul's talking in, in this passage about validation. Seeking to be ways that we seek to validate ourselves before the throne of God and he's he's boasting here. He gets into boasting. He says, those who consider their resumes pretty impressive, wait till they get a load of me. And he starts talking about, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm as Jewish as they get. Look at this. I upheld the law. I tried to fulfill all righteousness. I even went to the point of of persecuting the church, thinking I was doing God a favor. What he's doing is he's warning the Philippians and he's warning us about this idea of self-justification. When people will say, well, sure, you believe, you have faith, but you need to do these things as well. You need to add to the work of Jesus. And he's saying, no, by no means. I've done it all. I fulfilled as much of the law as I could. And he's warning them about this danger that we have because we all have a gnawing ache. A sense of proving to ourselves, to my boss, to my spouse, to my parents, my family of origin, my neighbor, that we belong, that we're somebody, that our life really matters. And Paul says, all of that I consider rubbish. It is excrement. It is, it is worthless to me. It's refuse. Because he knew in proclaiming the gospel that it's about Jesus and not about what we bring to the table. And so he talks in verse 9 about this alien righteousness. It's not a righteousness that I have on my own, but it only comes through faith in Christ. He knew that there was a love stronger than death, one that had to come from outside him to save him, that there's something that can't finally be decimated by my own personal failure or my vocational futility or my complete inadequacy. He's proclaiming a gospel that is done, it is finished, that your justification, your standing before God is made complete because of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. And Paul was called to this ministry to proclaim this word. He was arrested by the grace of God. It gripped him in such a way it knocked him off of a horse and turned him blind. But he was called to reveal this Son of God to others, to preach this good news. And it's a news that is so good and so new that it makes all else, all of his contributions, pale in comparison makes ours as well. And he talks about this paradox of, I'm willing to lose everything in order that I might gain Christ. All that I have to offer, I will count that as loss, if not for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ and being found in him. Sounds a lot like Jesus' words when he says, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will keep it. It's a counterintuitive and very un-American idea because we have such a strong instinct for self-preservation, for security, for obtaining things that we can point to to validate ourselves. And Paul's saying, no, there's one way and it is the way of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus and it's sharing in him. He says, in the, in the power of his resurrection. You can almost hear the Philippians and even our own hearts go, yes. Power of resurrection we often forget resurrection has to be preceded by death he said i want to be joined in fellowship and intimate communion with my savior in his sufferings Because he talks about the cruciform life of christ that christ's ministry looked like a u-shape he started up here he was the son of god He left the splendor and glory of heaven and became a man, just as we just confessed in the Nicene Creed. He became a servant unto all, and he even gave his life paying the ultimate price, death on a criminal cross. He endured the wrath of God against all that is sinful and evil and wicked, though he himself was innocent. And then he was powerfully raised from the dead, Exalted at the right hand of God the Father. That's a U shape. He starts out up high. He, is, he goes down as far as you can go. Having the judgment of God put upon him. And then he is raised up. And every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that he is Lord. He demonstrated the ultimate downward mobility. The ultimate pushback against a culture that's always seeking to strive and achieve. So Paul can say of himself and of you and me in Galatians 2 20 I have been crucified with Christ it's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me that's your validation for your life that is the justification for you and me in our existence and we're called at the end of the passage he talks about this image of a race that we're straining and striving not that he's not that he's obtained this resurrection from the dead yet But he lives in hope of that. He lives in earnest anticipation. That idea of having endurance, of persevering, depending on where that strikes you in your life, it might just make you feel tired. How much longer, Lord, do I have to endure this? My son Isaac, he's seven years old, and my wife and I have been working with him on this idea of resiliency and endurance that you can press through even hard things, whether it's at school or at home with your sisters. And so a couple weeks ago, I took him, we live in Southside, I took him over to Dreamland Barbecue. He was disappointed we didn't eat the barbecue. I said, we're going to run all the way up Red Mountain. We have a friend up on 18th Street, and I said, we're going to run to their house. So let's, let's go. And we're going to do it together, but we're not going to stop. And I talked to him about this idea of resiliency, endurance. So we ran a little ways. He was enthusiastic at first, but it's a steep hill. It got hard. And he went, I can't do it. And I said, well, we've got to walk back down. It's part of the lesson here. So we walked all the way back down. I said, let's do it again. We gave it another try. We got a little bit further, but my legs hurt. It's hard to breathe. I said, I know. And we, we came back down, and a third time, I, re- I said, Isaac, I believe in you. Nobody in your life is asking you to do something that they don't believe you can actually do. And here's the thing, you're not doing this alone. I'm doing this with you. Your dad's with you. And we were able to run up that hill. Not always fast, but we didn't stop. And the reward of standing there and looking down over the city of Birmingham, Children's Hospital, UAB, it was, it was incredible. We did it together. We strived and we strove and we made it. The thing is, he always had his father's presence right next to him, cheering him on, encouraging him. He wasn't, I wasn't asking him to do something that I hadn't already done. Friends, you're never asked, you're never put through such a trial or temptation or difficulty that Christ himself has not already gone ahead of you and before you. In fact, he is right there with you in the midst of it. Paul's saying it's not enough just to know about Jesus. I want to know him in an intimate way. I want this connection. And he's writing this letter from prison. He's been beaten. He's in prison for for proclaiming the truth about a resurrected Savior. And he's telling you and me that our vacuous notions of success, of the good life, they pale in comparison to the knowledge of knowing Christ and him crucified and being found in him. And so he's offering us today, every day, you are being offered an invitation to a meaningful life. Because you're tethered, those who are tethered by faith to God can can let themselves go because they know that they will be, get themselves back. Because Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything, friends. And this is our daily invitation. It's a reminder that everything that we need, God has already supplied it in more abundant measure. Forgiveness, acceptance, belonging, purpose, validation, and love from God himself, embodied in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And his very presence is with you and me, friends, that we have the ultimate gain, that we might abide in him and he in us. Amen.